Welcome to Dreamers to Leaders, Keeping It Real with Melody podcast. Melody is a classic dreamer who started as a flight attendant and worked her way to now a tech fashion trendsetter, thought leader, and dynamic entrepreneur in various industries. This podcast is for the dreamers and doers. Learn how to think, act, and speak big as business leaders share how they turned from dreamers to leaders. Hello and welcome to the Dreamers to Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Melody. Our guest today is Zachary Wright. He's the founder of iNeo Company, which is an acronym for Improving Management Employees and Organization, and it centers on vision and mission. The company's vision is to help build a world where organizations operate effectively and treat others appropriately. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Zachary Wright. Hey, Zach. Welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, Melody. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So let's start. Uh, can you share with our audience your dreamer story on the back end on how you started your company? Yeah. So my company is IMEO, I-M-E-O, and it stands for Improving Management, Employees, and Organizations. And that's for a very specific reason. So the way that I came into this industry and the reason that I wanted to start my company was because in my undergrad, I majored in psychology. And that was something that I wanted to really dive into. Um, towards the end of, and we can talk about the journey uh, in, in more detail, but I'll, I'll keep this intro a little bit brief. But through that journey, I dropped out, dropped back in and, and finally got my degree and on the last semester, I was introduced to organizational psychology and positive psychology. And that those are good because they're important for how I shape my life. But as far as the business, it, it, it really focuses around how the company interacts with its employees. And our main purpose is to help clients become more effective with strategies and systems that increase productivity, enhance employee engagement, and drive better company performance. And the reason that I'm so focused on that is because, one, I was introduced to that in my thesis uh, paper with organizational psychology. But then on the other side, whenever I got into corporate America, I experienced a bully boss. And for those who aren't familiar with bully bosses, they're someone who kind of takes pride in making your life miserable. Even if you're a successful person, for for example, for me, I was a top performer in the company that I worked for. I got promoted to team lead. I became um, employee of the month several times. But at the same time on the back end, that uh, manager was just constantly berating me with micromanagement and just making me feel worthless. So I wanted to set out to make the workplace better for everyone with my company. And that's how, how I started my company, that that brief uh, summary there. But there's a lot to dive into if we want to. So having a Cruella, Cruella type of a boss, <laughs> you're able to yeah. like shift, sift it and, and kind of know what is good and what's kind of not uh, favorable in, in, in the workplace, right? And exactly. operations and, and strategies to help companies, right? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about um, your topic on vision, creating vision and mission uh, for companies. First, what, you know, in um, on the onset, it seems like vision and mission 
could be interchangeable. But what really differentiates one from the other? Yeah. So to start with, I, I, I always say this whenever I'm talking about vision and mission. I know a lot of people's eyes are rolling in the back of their head saying, <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about vision and mission. But it's one of my favorite topics because if you do a vision and a mission correctly, you're rallying all the troops in your organization to work towards one goal. So to put it in perspective, vision is going to be your long-term big picture, what you're trying to achieve. Um, Simon Sinek has a book out there called The Infinite Game, and there's different types of companies out there. So the finite game means that you have something that you're trying to achieve. So you'll hear a lot of companies with a vision, we want to become the best, or we want to be the number one company. That's a finite game. And you're playing a finite game in an infinite world, which doesn't really add up because you're never really going to win. So I go back to uh, coaching companies on focusing on the infinite game, which is there's it's going to last longer than you. So if you're the founder, if you're the CEO, you want it to go bigger than than who you are as a person. <laughs> and so with that, Simon Sinek talks about a just cause capital J, capital C. And what he's talking about there is the same thing that we're doing at IMEO. So our vision is we want to build a world where organizations operate effectively and treat others appropriately. We want to make the workplace better for everyone. Now, if you think about that, that's probably not going to happen in my lifetime, you know, and that's perfectly fine with me. I want to build the foundation for the people who come on top of me and continue that. So whenever we're thinking about a vision, we're really thinking about why the why the company exists in the sense of where are we trying to go? We're here now. Where do we want to end up at? Mm-hmm. For the mission, we're talking about a little something different. Now, it is still why do companies exist, but you're also asking a few other questions, which is who will help us get there? And then what do we have to do to get there? And then how are we going to go and get that, uh, achieve that? And it's all in line with the vision. So you have to start with the vision to get to the mission. But that your your mission is really kind of clarifying what type of organizational chart are we going to have, the type of people that are coming in? Um, why do we wake up every single day? It's going to be motivational to your employees whenever you have a strong mission. But going back to the eye rolling piece is if you don't take this seriously and you don't constantly communicate it to your team, then you are going to fail on your vision and mission. And then that's not going to want, that's not going to make anybody want to work for you or with you on your journey to your just cause. That's Mm -hmm. how I would explain it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and as they say, as to the topic of our, our podcast leadership, Leadership is the one that turns uh, the company's vision into reality, right? And that brings yes. us to uh, the portion of what the, the nitty-gritty of what you guys do on strategy, right? So mm-hmm. vision without strategy is just an illusion, as they say, right? Let's talk about um, crafting strategies, effective mm-hmm. strategies for, for corporations. How do you help companies? With that, Zach. Yeah, yeah. So we have something that we offer for free, which is a a strategy planning worksheet. 
And it walks you through a lot of different steps that we would do whenever we come into your organization. But funny enough, it starts from the vision and the mission. So if a com- if we go into a company and they don't have their vision or mission laid out, we highly recommend that we want to start there because if you don't have your vision and mission, then you don't have your boundaries set. And that's what happens with a lot of business owners, which is they'll have an idea and you might experience this yourself. I know I do. And if I didn't have these boundaries, then I would be all over the place. But if you don't have these boundaries, then you're willing to take on this client that doesn't have anything to do with your purpose. And I know that that's easy to say to somebody who is uh, established and, and they already have like a smooth running company. It becomes a lot harder whenever a company is just starting and they have to say no to a paying client. That's that's where you got to ask yourself, do I really want to make this a reality or do I just want to make money? And I know that's a lot easier to say than do. But I start there with the the vision and mission, and then it trickles down into strategy. So we're asking ourselves in the next three to five years, what do we want to accomplish as a company? And you have to be realistic with yourself. So a lot of companies that I've worked with, they kind of have these blinders on and they'll they'll act like their product is the best out there when in reality, it's mediocre. You know, and and if you're not honest with yourself, then you're not going to have a good strategy. So we start there. What are we trying to achieve in the next three to five years? And what have we done up to this point? So in simplistic terms, you're looking at what is the current state of the company and what's the future state of the company? Where do we want to go? So that's where we start. We look at what we've accomplished. We reflect on that. Then we break it down into specific priorities. Well, first we we break it down into top objectives. And so what we do is we do uh, workshops. We'll go into organizations. It could be remote. It could be in person. And we'll ask these questions to different leaders. And what you'll see is different leaders have different top objectives, right? So the goal is to take these top objectives from each leader try to find themes or categories. And then once you find those categories, you can group them together. And we try to encourage people to list as many top objectives as possible, because once we have those categories and themes, then we're going to break them down into priorities. And that's the big thing, because again, it goes back to saying, what are we not going to focus on? And what are we going to focus on? And if you don't do that, a lot of things can come in and you take it on. And then before you know it, you're kind of out of whack and your your operations is chaotic and so on and so forth. So once we take those top priorities, then there's a lot of other, a lot of people think that strategy is just a plan. It's really, like you said, nitty gritty, because after that or before or simultaneously, depending on how the culture of the company operates, you want to look at the market analysis or market research. So we think this is going to be our top priority. Does the market also say that? Now, in some cases, you want to take it with a with a grain of salt because maybe you want to be a disruptor. So the market's thinking this way, but you really have a strong belief that you need to go to the left instead of the right. And so it's really just that brainstorming session and then continuing to go down market research We do um, a business model canvas where we're talking about the nine elements in there. I won't try to list them now because I'll forget all of them. But um, some of them are competitors, partners, your streams of income, 
um, what type of revenue you plan to bring in, your ideal customer profile. So we're going through all those things with the companies and it might seem tedious, but once you lay this out, you got to think it's going to be for three to five years. So you want to make sure that you're taking the time to do that. So I believe I I covered most of it. Um, We take it a step further and we dive into like each department after we have those priorities. And then we say, okay, sales and marketing, what are your top priorities from the prioritization that we just created? And then finance and so on and so forth. So we take it there and then we go into what we... We leverage OKRs, objectives, and key results, but we can also uh, factor in KPIs too, or key performance indicators. Right, right, right. Um, so what I heard and what I like is, you know, looking at the lens of someone that wants an infinite type of an organization, you know, thinking mm-hmm. long-term, creating legacy. And I think once you have that type of mentality, that's when that's when you're not just thinking of shortcuts or Mickey Mousing, mm-hmm. you know, any <laughs> work, right? Because you're thinking exactly. of, uh, you know, next generation. Uh, so mm-hmm. I like that. I also uh, heard on priorities, prioritization, which, you know, at the end of the day, we can have a lot of balls that we're trying to, <laughs> to catch, right? <laughs> and <laughs> and really, we just need to, to focus. And, um, and I think this is where you then would lead to understanding the core values, right? Of the company. So, so why is that important, Zach? Yeah. So, so we actually group the core values in with vision and mission, and then we go into strategy. Um, but the reason that we do that is because if you, if you think about the way that I described vision and mission, and then now same with core values, it's basically building that foundation for your company. And if you think about this, a lot of people talk about house of cards. And if you really put it in perspective, the reason that they're called house of cards is because they don't have a strong foundation and any wind or any disruption in the movement of the ground can knock that down. And so we look at vision, mission, and core values as your foundation. Like if you're building a house, that's the cement block. That's the ugly part. That's the pipes underneath. That's That's the the septic tank. (laughs) I mean, I'm an operations person and and strategy person. So I love that stuff. But a lot of leaders don't like that. Or a lot of business owners don't like that. They actually like the chaoticness, which if you, if you think about it, you're, whenever you have that chaoticness in your organization, you're really just spinning your wheels. You're like a rat on the wheel. And we come in and help make sure that you don't. I mean, it's good to get exercise, but you don't want to do it every single day if you're not going anywhere. You know, get off the treadmill and, and, and run in a direction that actually moves you closer to the vision. So that's the way we look at it. But with core values, I mean, we're really asking these questions that a lot of companies don't take the time to ask themselves. So it's it's simple in a sense, but it's also complex in the other side. So whenever we're talking about core values, we're asking what type of culture do you want to create as an organization? Because if you don't take the time to define what culture you want, it's going to create itself. And that's the tough part. A lot of people don't take the time to do this. And then they look around whenever it's too late and they're like, oh, we got to change the culture. And what that's very difficult because if you wait to change your culture instead of build your culture, 
then you're having to change behaviors, right? So another good thing with core values, along with vision and mission, is it's also a recruiting tool. So whenever you're interviewing people to come into your organization and you have a set of core values that outlines your your culture that you're trying to build, you also factor that into the type of questions that you're going to ask your employees. So for example, if you want somebody who is a go-getter or an action-biased person, ask them a behavioral question that says, can you tell me about a time where your manager didn't set the direction for you and you had to take that step forward. I just made that question up. There's probably better ways to outline it, but that's a way that you can say, okay, this person is, is action biased. And so they fit into our culture. And I've been hearing a lot lately about instead of culture fit, you want culture amplify. So you do have to have a forward thinking approach as a hiring manager, whenever you're leveraging your core values, because the reason that they've started to use these two different frames or, or uh, phrases with culture fit and culture amplify is because if you have a culture fit, you're technically bringing in somebody who's going to keep the system the way it is. But if you have a culture yeah. amplifier, mm-hmm. yeah, if you have a culture amplifier, then they have those core values in them. They have those characteristics, but then they take it a step further. Yes. They're amplifying it, which means growing or just making it better. Um The way that you can create your core values is really just that simple question. What type of culture do you want to build and what do those people look like? What do they possess? Where do they come from in the sense of do you need people from Ivy League schools? I don't think necessarily because I didn't go to an Ivy League school and I'm still doing pretty well. Uh, But it it all depends, right? If you're a neuroscientist, you probably want somebody who came from the neuroscientists, the top schools. Um, but, th- but it all depends on what type of culture you're looking to build. Mm-hmm. And I think that sums up also, um, entrepreneurship, you know, having, if you want to be an entrepreneur from the outside looking in, people would say, Hey, entrepreneurship is maybe glamorous. There's all the bling and all the glory and whatnot, but what they don't see really are the groundworks that have been laid out or should have been laid out, right? Yeah. Because if you miss that, the the foundation, then again, the house of cards, right? So if, we, if yeah. you're an entrepreneur and our entrepreneurs out there, we have to do our homework first, first things first, right? Otherwise, we're going to be spinning our wheels. And at the end of the day, Zach, isn't it that we have to just really, I mean, the two main things that we have to watch out for among other things would be cost and time, right? Yep. If we don't do the necessary work, the necessary prepping, right? Even with mm-hmm. baking, cooking, you know, storyboard for a movie or drafting mm-hmm. or prototype for, for any product. If that's not done, then it's, it's a for sure going to be a recipe for disaster. So exactly. I agree with you on, on taking time, taking time to really, to really understand, you know, the culture, what would be the mission, vision, what are the core values? And as they say, core values are like the uh, lighthouse that, um, give direction and purpose yeah. and meaning, you know, to a company. Cause without that, it's, it's blah, right? <laughs> yeah. 
and it yeah. won't it won't magnetize it won't uh, attract the right people as you've mentioned and here or we're seeing that in the industry, right? Because by 2025, unless the, the studies have, have uh, okay. expedited this numbers, but by 2025, the the majority of the workforce is going to be Gen Zers and millennials. And we see with the pandemic that Gen Zers are pushing to have a purposeful or meaningful job, you know? And so... If you don't take the time to do the these simple tasks, I say simple but complex, right? But if they don't take the time to do this, then they're going to lose employees. And then again, just like core values, whenever you try to tweak it after or your culture, you try to tweak it after a behavior has already presented itself, it's too late. Whenever you lose trust in an employee, it's too late. It's just like a relationship. If you lose trust in that person, you can work as hard as you want to. There's even if they say that they're fine, there's still something in the background going on in their head, right? So, yeah, it's it's a big thing and a lot of a lot of objections that we'll get whenever we're prospecting is Oh, well, Zach, we're not ready for that or we're too early because we work with a lot of B2B startups. And the thing is, is if you don't do this now, the problems are only going to get higher. The employees are only going to get more, you know, like like Biggie said, more money, more problems. Like that's that's what it is. So if you don't start with that foundation, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. So I guess in uh, in layman's word, you know, Try not to sweep the the dirt under the rug because it's not really going to go away. It's just going to be there. Exactly, right? it's just going to pile up. <laughs> so, so um, you've and this I like because um, that's something that you know percolates in any any business owner wanting to find ways to increase productivity in the workforce. Mm-hmm. So, what have you suggested and implemented? Uh, for the clients that you've helped in increasing productivity in the workforce. Yeah, so it actually goes perfectly into the next step of what we offer. We call it our uh, ecosystem of services. So we'll help with your vision, mission, core values, strategy. And then the next portion is your strategy management. Because 64 or 67% of companies uh, they don't execute their strategy due to poor execution. And I probably butchered that, but basically 67% of strategies fail due to poor execution. And that's from the Harvard Business Review. And so what we do is after we help build out the strategy or we analyze your strategy in preparation to start implementing the strategy management side of things, we'll help you break down your priorities and then put it into a framework that we that not only we call, but it's a popular one in the tech industry, which is objectives and key results or OKRs. And then we also leverage KPIs or key performance indicators. So those are two different types of frameworks that you can help rally the troops around your vision, your mission, your core values, and then ultimately your strategy. And so the way that we do this is we have an entire OKR program and that includes a, and you can do this separately or you can do it all together with us. So we have an online OKR course. 
it's only $40. It's not anything. You you probably spend more than that whenever you order DoorDash or Grubhub or <laughs> Uber Eats. So so just think about that, right? $40. And we whenever we work with an entire company, we give that out to the entire company. Uh, but you can also have it individually. So that's going to be a four-week course that walks you through every single thing that you need to know about OKRs to help you implement it into your life or your company or your career. And then the next stage is we have an implementation plan. And we literally have, it's just a simple Excel spreadsheet, but we walk you through it through our consulting and coaching uh, package. And so there's probably a list of 25 items that we're walking everybody through. We have a roadmap so we can say, okay, this is the time that we're going to deliver it into your organization. This is how we're going to deliver it. And this, this is how we're going to measure success. We, we run our business just like we want you to. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we, uh, we drink our own champagne, as they say. So the last portion is we also have OKR workshops and then we have OKR consulting playbook. And so all these things are going to help you understand uh, how to implement OKRs. First, what are OKRs? Then how to implement OKRs. We're going to help you define and identify your roles uh, or or the people in your organization who will take on the specific roles in OKRs. And then the last portion is we'll help coach until you don't need us anymore. So we kind of look at ourselves as a personal trainer where you come to us, you're looking for the workouts, you're looking for the nutrition. We're going to help you with all that stuff, but eventually we're going to fade into the black and then you guys can take over. Um, the reason that we focus on OKRs to go back to your original question is because this is a way to shrink down that three to five year strategy into 90 day segments or quarterly. So whenever you're doing objectives and key results, you're first starting with the company's objectives and key results. And what that really means is you're identifying your company's goals. And then with with OKRs, they're cascading. So once you have the company, just think about it as a pyramid, as I speak, um, the company OKRs are at the top. And then you have a, another level down. So it could be the executive level. Then you go down to the VP and directors. Then you go down to management. And then you go down to individual contributors. So you start with the company OKRs. And then from the company OKRs, the next level down will create theirs based off of those goals. And then again, all the way down to the individual contributors. So each goal is literally connected to the one above them. So it's a top-down, bottom-up approach. And what that really does is a few different things. Whenever we're talking about increased productivity and employee engagement, the increased productivity comes from having the company more aligned and focused and committed around the goal. And it goes back to the boundaries. You can say no. For example, if, if I'm an individual contributor and I'm using OKRs and the CEO asks me to do something, I can say no to him or her because they don't fit into what we're trying to do as a company. Now, one or two things is going to happen. He's going to say, he or she's going to say, you're right. Mm -hmm. Or you're going to have a conversation, right? Now you have to balance the way that your culture is. So don't just start off like that, build a relationship and then do that stuff. That's how we do with the strategy. We turn the strategy into an actionable approach where we can track, measure, and monitor through OKRs to make sure that we're making progress uh, in the right direction. Right. Yeah. At the end of the day, there needs to be 
really those metrics uh, in place so you can measure and find out if you're close to the goal or if there's more that needs to be tweaked along the way. Exactly. All right. So very briefly, but um, but if you could really lay it out as to, okay, fine. Uh, we want, of course, the, the workforce to be productive. But how do we also change mindset amongst the mm. amongst the workforce so they're more positive? You know, some tips that you could help uh, our business owners out there, you know, briefly on how they can help with mindset and making people more optimistic, more positive in the workforce. Yeah. So, so this goes back to my time with positive psychology and, and for People who don't know positive psychology, if you think about a traditional uh, therapist visit, you're going to talk a, a lot about your past. You're going to talk about your trauma, your guilt, all the things that <laughs> make you question yourself, right? With positive psychology, it's on the other side. So you're thinking about what is the possibility? What could happen? Or how can I speak to myself where instead of the first thing that comes into my mind is a negative thought, it's Oh, how can I overcome this? So, for example, I mentioned that it took me a long time to graduate my undergrad. So I dropped out, dropped back in, dropped out probably four times before I realized, okay, this is what I want to do. And then I have my mindset right. But it wasn't until I learned positive psychology that I was able to tweak my mind. And the other thing that goes into positive psychology is something called neuroplasticity. Um, some people might have heard of it, but it's basically... You're, the ability to change the way you think or to change the way that you see the world around you. And so there, there's a book out there. I'll probably get it wrong, but it's by Carol Dweck. And she talks about a fixed mindset and a um, growth mindset. And so a fixed mindset is you are born with this set of skills and that's it. You can't learn more. You can't grow. You That's it, right? And you'll hear a lot of people who are stuck in a rut or that never really became something. They have that mindset. They play the victim. They blame others. They do all these types of things that takes it away from them. For a growth mindset, you're telling yourself, okay, this is, a, this is something that I don't have a skill for, but I can learn it through podcast interviews for YouTube, for uh, books, whatever the courses, online education, whatever the case is, you can learn these things and you can grow your mind. So that's the first step is to kind of get your employees to understand that this is possible, right? Uh, before I got to that point with my undergrad, I constantly played the victim mindset. Oh, well, I don't have this because I don't have a degree or I don't have the perfect job because I don't have a degree. That was a lie that I told myself. There's a lot of jobs out there that can pay six figures without a degree, right? That, that, was, the, that was the environment that I set for myself. So if you can help your employees understand how to do that, which is there's, there's a couple different things that you can do. So one, you can um, start re reshaping your brain. So what that means is whenever a negative thought comes into your mind, you stop yourself and say, okay, is this a real thought? Is this rational? If it's not, then say, okay, if it's not, what is the positive outcome? What could happen if I think differently? And so 
you have to do that. It's like training your muscles. You have to do it over and over again for it to become a constant. And once you do that, you'll start seeing challenges as opportunities instead of setbacks. That's a big thing. Uh, the other things that you can do is, is uh, 10 minutes of exercise. That could be walking around your neighborhood. It, it's something simple like that. It could just be walking your dog, getting outside, playing fetch. Or I'm, I'll talk about a dog because we, we have that. We don't have kids. But um, <laughs> uh, and the other thing is two minutes of meditation. And you you can literally just shut down your computer or lock it, whatever, and then just have two minutes of meditation. And what you'll see is that starts to give your mind the break that it needs that we often don't take throughout the day. And then your mind becomes more creative, more positive, more focused. So those are some of the things that you can do as an organization is teach your employees on this. Um, and now as far as management, the thing with that is you want to have, you want to get to understand your employees personally and professionally. A lot of people try to draw that line between, Oh, I'm their manager. I need to only speak to them about this. But what is that doing? That's taking half of somebody away. And mm-hmm. you, you're you're harming yourself to become a good leader because if you take half of the person away, you don't know how or what motivates them. It could be their children. It could be their family. Maybe they have somebody, a, an older family member who needs help and they need to support them. So maybe they need more days off. It's those types of things. You want to lead with empathy and emotional intelligence. I like that. So basically uh, to increase productivity, uh, learning how to pause, looking at whatever anxiety or anything that's negative, that's that's um, marinating in their head, pause See if there's um look at it objectively and see mm-hmm. what is what is the flip side or the opportunity in that thought. Ten minute break, two minute meditation. Maybe I, I have another I had another segment where uh you know we talked about the mindfulness bell, you know. So mm-hmm. every every so often you you have that it's an app <laughs> that allows you to, you know, to remind you to get away, pause a bit. Just, it could be less than two minutes, but that pause mm-hmm. in between uh, tasks really could uh, help, you know, uh, jumpstart you for the next uh, task. We have shared a lot of actionable tips for our, um, you know, audience out there. So for those who want to learn more about your workshop, your seminars, your coaching, what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah. So we, we have our website out there. It's imeocompany.com, imeocompany.com. You'll learn a lot of stuff of what we do out there. Uh, my Instagram handle is at Zach A. Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T, Z-A-C-H too. I, I got to add that because some people spell it with a K. Please don't do that. Uh, <laughs> but then we also have LinkedIn, um, at IMEO company. And then the last one is YouTube at IMEO company there too. So if you want to get in touch with me, I'm not hard to find, please reach out to us because we love working with businesses who are trying to impact the world and build something greater than themselves. So please reach out. So Zach, thank you for sharing and we wish you continued success. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. All right. And for all our dreamers out there, Keep believing. You got this. Till next time.